I'm Lisa Stone, and you are listening to Season 8 of Parenting Aces. Welcome back to Season 8 of the Parenting Aces podcast. This week, we are talking Little Mo. For those of you who have followed Parenting Aces over the years, I've written articles and I've tweeted and Facebooked all kinds of information about the Little Mo series of tournaments. But today we have Maureen Connolly Brinker's daughter on the podcast. Her daughter is Cindy Brinker and Cindy heads up the MCB Foundation, which puts on the Little Mo tournaments. We also have with Cindy, Carol Wayman, who is the mastermind behind the tournaments themselves. And they are going to be chatting with us about what Maureen Connolly did for tennis, her contribution to the sport, both during her career and after her career came to a sudden halt. And you'll hear from her daughter, Cindy, about what happened there. And then also Carol will be talking about the Little Mo series of tournaments, how your child can get involved and why your child should be involved in those events. And I will tell you from personal experience, my son played in only one Little Mo tournament because we found out about them uh, at the end of his age eligibility, unfortunately, but it was one of the most positive tournament experiences he had during his junior career. So I really want to encourage all to, if your children fall in the age range, I want you to to seriously consider signing them up for one or more of, of the Little Mo tournaments. They are fantastic, fantastic events. And I want to just remind you guys that we are supported by our donors. And thank you to those of you who have clicked on the donate button at parentingaces.com. Every little bit helps. And we use the money to keep the website up to date, to travel to events, and to help keep tennis parents informed. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the podcast with Carol Wayman and Cindy Brinker. I am so excited to chat with Cindy Brinker and Carol Wayman from the MCB Foundation, also known as the ladies who put on the Little Mo tournaments. Ladies, welcome from Texas. Hi, Lisa. (laughs) Thrilled to be with you today, my dear. Uh, we are so happy to have you. I, you know, I, yeah, I think, you know, most of my listeners are familiar with Little Mo, either in a very general sense, or maybe their kids have actually played in your events. But before we kind of go too far, I want to just ask you, Cindy, to give us a little bit of background on your mom and why you set up this foundation. Absolutely, Lisa. And again, such a such an honor and a privilege to be with you today. Well, while Mom was known as Little Mom to me, she was known to her adoring public in the 1930s as the tennis champion Little Mo. And what Mom did, her name was Maureen Conley, and she was from San Diego. And Mom was a champion both on and off the court. Her her success in her career was very short. At least it was from 1951 to 1954. And she won Wimbledon three years in a row, 1952, 53, and 54. 
And she was the first woman and the only woman to date to win the Grand Slam, which is the four major tournaments, the Australian, French, Wimbledon, and U.S. Open in one calendar year. And she won that in 1953. I mean, Lisa, she won all nine of the Grand Slam tournaments, those are the four majors, all of them that she played in from 1951 to 1954. And her last year of competitive play, she didn't even lose a tennis match. She wow. was the AP. I mean, it's just amazing. And, and the competition during those early 50s was very strong as well. There were about five women who were really tough competitors. So mom had great competition, but she was also the AP. A female athlete of the year for three years in a row. She was number one in the world, ranked number one in the world at 52, 53, and 54. But Lisa, if my sister Brenda and I were were here speaking to a group or just even if Brenda was by my side, we would say, and Carol would say this too, that mom's greatest contribution was what she did off the court. In other words, she was a remarkable woman who just happened to be a very good tennis player. And in 1968, she was inducted into the International Tennis Hall of Fame. Sadly, she lost her life at age 34 to cancer. Cancer has invaded the inner sanctum of our family, and mom was only 34 when she passed away from ovarian cancer. But in 34 years, she was a pioneer in tennis, both on and off the court. So when in 1954, she had just won Wimbledon for the third time, and she was about to defend her fourth U.S. Open title because she won U.S. Open in 51, 52, and 53, and she was just about to defend that title uh, in, in, in September, but she had a horseback riding accident. And sadly, her, the horse that she was riding collided with a cement truck. It was just a very freaky accident. And literally within seconds, her career abruptly came to a halt. She, she, the, the cement truck veered out of control, was in a non-through street in San Diego, and the cement chute came undone and caught her leg. Oh and my that gosh. cement chute literally tore all the ligaments and muscles to her bone. So she was never able to compete on an elite scale again. And she picked up thousands and thousands of marbles, the little, with her, toes trying to get back, but she just could not compete. But what she did is she turned her passion and her love for tennis and was such an other-focused woman that she then started, when we moved to Dallas in the early 60s, she partnered with her dear friend Nancy Jeffett and started the Maureen Conley Brinker Tennis Foundation because she wanted to give back and to dedicate the rest of her life to giving back, to developing junior tennis to, to creating travel grants and just a great thankfulness to what tennis had done for her. And when she was growing up in San Diego, she came from a, a very poor background. So the San Diego Tennis Patrons Association had paid for her way for all of these tournaments, Lisa, and, and gave her travel grants. So she in turn then, now that she was on the other side of tennis, and have been so blessed with being able to play because of the generosity of the citizens of San Diego wanted to start this foundation to further junior tennis and to give promising young tennis players travel grants. So that's what she did. And the, the foundation was established, the Morning Conley Brinker Tennis Foundation was established in 1968. 
sadly, she passed away the next year in 1969. But her dear friend and partner, Nancy Jeffett, then literally took their vision, their mission, their dream, and that propelled Nancy to continue out of great friendship and love and devotion to mom to, to create this wonderful foundation. And we celebrated our 50th year last year, uh, 50 years of, of a, a very successful uh, uh, establishment of the Morning Conley Breaker Tennis Foundation, which we are now the one of the largest, if not the largest, private tennis foundation doing what we do. And that is we develop junior tennis and we have tournaments for ages 8 to 12. That's our sweet spot for the league gift and talented, not just in the United States, but we have three international tournaments. So we're continuing to move forward in the next 50 years. And I took over as president 12 years ago when Nancy Jeffett retired. My sister Brenda is involved as vice president. Uh, Nancy's daughter Sissy's involved. And Carol Wayman runs these tournaments with Matthew Cody. And I'm, I'm very proud that we are the gold standard of junior young junior tournaments today again our sweet spots are eight to twelve that's our sweet spot but we also have our mighty mo which is ages 13 to 16 that we have in some of our tournaments so we're very and it's big mo it's it's they're called big mo and just people ask me all the time why was mom nicknamed little mo what what is the genesis of that and there was a dear, dear man, Nelson Fisher, who was a very, very distinguished sports writer at the San Diego Union Tribune, the newspaper there. And he watched mom play tennis and was so impressed that he said that her powerful strokes rendered her opponents shell-shocked, like the Mighty Mo, which was the USS Missouri, a big battleship, very powerful state-of-the-art battleship in World War II, it was called the USS Missouri. A nickname, of course, from Missouri is Mo, but it was also nicknamed Mighty Mo or the Big Mo. And Mom was only five four. So, and of course, Maureen, a derivative, a shortened, abbreviated uh, derivation of the name Maureen is Mo. So he nicknamed her Little Mo after the battleship USS Missouri. So that's how Mom got her nickname of Little Mo, and it stuck. So she was always known as Little Mo throughout her I career. I love it. I love it. And so the, once you guys got involved in the foundation, is that when y'all began the Little Mo series of tournaments? Oh, sorry. Hey, Lisa, it's Carol. Hey, Carol. We did the Virginia Slims of Dallas. That was really our fundraiser for 20 years back in the day of 19, you know, early 1970s, I guess, um, when you know, cigarettes could not be on television anymore, and they came to us because we had a memorial tournament in honor of Maureen, and, and they just said, would you like to have Virginia Slims as a sponsor? And we said, sure. And so that really started the trend for having women's professional tennis in Dallas, and it was our major fundraiser. And um, then that lasted till 1990. I came on in 89 as tournament director of the Virginia Slims, and I'd been with World Championship Tennis for 10 years before that, so I was familiar with pro tennis, and and uh, anyway, it was just great, great being involved with the foundation as a beneficiary, and then then uh, we sold it in 1990, and uh, so then it was like, well, now what do we do, <laughs> because we really didn't know after we'd been focused on junior, t I mean, on pro tennis, our, our money really went to help inner city youth, NJTL, um, Jeff, 
kids, wheelchair tennis, and just kind of we gave our money back into these programs. But we had never really been that heavily involved in running junior tournaments. We had one little mo tournament just for kids at Hockaday School. Uh, it was like a play date. They brought a little sack lunch, and it was just for Dallas kids in 1977. And um, it was uh, just a small thing for Dallas kids, really, just named after Maureen Connolly. And then it became very popular and then expanded in the 80s to include kids from all over Texas. Well, then I came on board and like I say, in 89, and we just kept doing that. And then after we sold the Slims, you know, I was looking around and not really knowing what to do with myself and thought, well, golly, this little mo is so much fun for me personally. And, and uh, I think it has potential maybe to, to reach other kids. And so I, I really had, um, you know, basically I didn't know because I've been in pro tennis. And I don't know, do you know the name Kathy Eckel? Yes. She's a tennis pro in Dallas at Royal Oaks. Anyway, her daughter Tara had been playing our little mo. And I asked Kathy, you know, what would Tara like to do with her tennis? You know, she was five at the time. Now she's 30. <laughs> and so <laughs> she said, uh, because I would like uh, Tara to play locally. And if she does well locally, I'd like her to advance to regionally to play kids from other states and then advance nationally. And so I thought that sounds good. So I didn't know a soul. At first I wanted to do a little more in every state. That was my original idea. And Kathy said, Whoa, wait a minute. You know, you're really biting off way more than you can chew right now. So she goes, it's divided. The country's divided into 17 sections with USTA. Of course, never been, been in junior tennis per se on that level. I played, you know, as you know, high school being a fellow Shreveporter, you know, bird high school, I just knew that. Our rival, by the way, because I was a gator. You were. Oh, my gosh. You are. We did beat you in our state championship, by the way. (laughs) I have to rub that in in 1972, three and four, three years in a row. But then Kay McDaniel, I don't know if you. Absolutely. There's no that name, but she came to Captain Shreve and that was the end of our reign. (laughs) But in in the meantime. you know, I just had not been in junior tennis, and I, I thought, well, you know, so I, Kathy told me about the 17, 18 USTA sections, so I started trying to find people in those sections, and I did, and eventually got it to, to get up and running to where the kids would all play a sectional level, the grass, that would be grassroots, but also it would incentivize the kids who were talented and gifted to go on to the next level, and then it would further incentivize the kids from regionals to go to the national level and then we would end up that was so fun to me to see who the best were in the united states because growing up in shreveport i had no idea who the best were in california you know we'd come to the dallas tournament and see names like cindy brinker i guess on the draw sheet (laughs) and and uh so it was just a good way i thought it'd be fun of course you know all my friends played piano and I did not like playing the piano, so I didn't have any friends that played tennis back in the early 70s. And even though tennis was popular, no one really was playing it that often. So my thing was, I just thought, how fun would it be to to not only meet other friends like yourself who love tennis and sports, and also be able to travel with your parents? You know, I would have loved that, you know, to go to tournaments. Sure. Not that my, my parents would have taken me. My dad one time asked me when I wanted to go to tournament if I it could beat everybody in my town. And I said, well, no, I couldn't beat Kay McDaniel. <laughs> so 
So that was his answer. And that was a pretty good answer that I didn't need to go anywhere else. <laughs> um, but so that's why I thought that would be fun to create something like that. And, and so it started off in 1998. Um, so we're in our 22nd year. And uh, what oh, I was going to say something. Well, and I, I was just going to add that uh, Carol has just brilliantly created this Road to Little Mo Nationals. And again, it's an advancement. But one of the things that we've done that really, I think, mirrors what mom would want, that if, if all we were doing is just churning out great, great, outstanding tennis players, I, I think mom would say, I'm not interested. But in addition to the great, elite, gifted and talented competition that we have that Carol has created, we also, Lisa, focus on citizenry. We focus on really almost evangelizing, I use that in a very loose term, characteristics like good sportsmanship, fair play, kindness, uh, an attitude of gratitude about being a, a, a good champion on off the court. And we really focus on those attributes. And at our, our national tournament and at our three international tournaments, we give out kindness and sportsmanship awards. And it's been really exciting to see these parents who write to us that say that the focus that we have on character development, on honesty, integrity, again, uh, kindness and, and fair play has really been what has propelled their kids to, to put tennis in perspective and, again, to be good champions on and off the court. And I think that has been really what has been a signature piece of the Morning Conley Brinker Tennis Foundation. You know, one of my favorite things about it, in addition to what you just said, Cindy, but I love how the kids bring gifts to each other. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that happened, Lisa. Um, we had some kids come from Hawaii. Uh, we had a sectional in Hawaii, and um, they brought a some lays and some chocolates to me and to their each opponent that they played. And I thought that is so dear. And I'm going to start that to where just first round kids bring a little gift, $10 or less, um, you know, for our internationals, like different kind, if you're from a different country or a different state that you bring your gift um, in exchange this first round and kids, one mom said, you know, we cleaned out our house when my kid went to college and the one gift that her son saved was the little gift when he was 10 years old from a child from Poland had given him a little something. And in, so that's, it's very meaningful. But uh, we also, our signature brand, of course, is, you know, when I was in, the reason I sort of thought, what's going on in junior tennis? And, and of course, in pro tennis, we have opening ceremonies, player parties. We have all sorts of things. I was familiar with flags and countries. I thought, you know, the junior tennis needs to be jazzed up a little bit. So that's why we have our great opening ceremonies with our Olympic style parade in with their country flags. And we do the national anthem. Um, we just offer so many things, a huge player party with, with water slides and all sorts of fun things for the kids to do that tennis is, that's what I loved about junior tennis. I just look back to say, what did I love about it? And it was the fun and the right. friends. And so that's what I've tried to, you know, through this little mo program is make this is the most fun thing to keep kids in our tennis sport. And it's such a great sport and, and for a lifetime. And 
and I just have loved it and it's been fun giving back to it. And, um, you know, so the, basically uh, our website is mcbtennis.org. You can see all the sites, um, say 18 sectionals lead to four regionals, Northeast, Southwest, you know, North is in New York, West is in California, East is in Florida, South is here in Dallas. Then those top four players from the four regionals comprise the draw of 16 for the Little Mo Nationals, which is the prestigious draw of the top 16 boys and girls in boys 8, boys 9, 10, 11, 12, and same for the girls. And we go by individual age year. That was one of my things when I first started. It's like, you know, the two-year age increment was too much for these young kids. It's fine when you're, to me, 14, 16, and 18 to combine the two. But when you're talking 8, 9, 10s, 11, 12, Sometimes a kid can, born in January is totally different than a kid born that same year. So we go by birth year. And uh, that's another reason we're really technically not, not we're non-sanctioned because the USTA does the two-year. Well, we're, we were just a little different. I wanted it to be different to where it was focused on some other things like opening ceremonies, player parties, individual age groups. And then, then we added, I saw that uh, we had a little tournament called the Little Mo Smirk Football, where we had a little competition against uh, the top tournament in Europe, in Croatia, for their 10s. So we would send our top 10s from the Nationals over to Croatia. Well, we got beat like a drum. We didn't even win a set for seven years in a row. And I was starting to see, hey, well, this is the best America has to offer, and we don't even win a set. I couldn't get over it. You know? And so I thought, you know, I'm going to need to bring this international group over to America so we can see what they look like and what they're doing. If these kids have aspirations to be pros for college, they're going to need to know this level. And so sure enough, that's why it's working out to where this internationals is being very competitive. In fact, we started in um, Texas and then we moved it to Florida and we're having it now at the PGA National Resort and Spa every December sandwiched between the Eddie Herr and the Orange Bowl. And last year we had 450 kids from about 60 countries. Wow. And uh, it's just been unreal the seeing all the cultures come together and the kids get to meet kids from other areas of the world. And um, we've had great speakers. Chris Everett came a couple of years ago. We, we have Wayne Bryan. We've had Maria Sharapova. You know, it's just been a really exciting event for us. And then it's sort of our flagship, I guess. And then, and that was so popular, I thought, well, I've always wanted to have, I've wanted to see Forest Hills. I'd never seen the home of the U.S. Open. And so I thought that would be a really cool place for the kids to go up and see some history of tennis and be where Maureen Conley won her, her Grand Slam title. Just the connection with us and Forest Hills. So I went up there and it was in shambles when, you know, it just had been um, run down. And mm-hmm. so they renovated it and it's beautiful if you've not seen it yet they do concerts and things so anyway so I created that um, about six years ago seven years ago and then um, we added California and so that one is Newport Beach in July around July 4th so we're we've got a full calendar of about 30 events a year between our sectionals regionals nationals and our three internationals and it's just been going great and um, Cindy's gonna well I was just gonna say that to mirror mom's Grand Slam victory in 1953, if any player wins all three of our international tournaments 
in one year, again, that's California, New York, and Florida, if they win all three in one calendar year, they get a six-foot trophy. And it's taller than all of them, and uh, they get to take that home. So if that's it was to mirror Mom's 1953 slam win. So we have a lot of young players that, that if they win, start with California and win, then their sights are on New York and, and Florida. And it just shows them how hard it is to win because we've only had eight total players in the last six years that we've done this. So it it's just something that, that again, is just another element to the fun, but yet the, the good competition as well, Lisa, to our tournaments sure. that we add. So you meant that – Oh, go ahead, Carol. Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying that, you know, Andy Roddick was, I guess, our first uh, poster child who came through our program. And now, of course, you know, through the years, Ryan Harrison, Steve Johnson, Dennis Kudlam, Mackie McDonald, uh, Belinda Benchick is doing well at Indian Wells. So she came through. She was our first international champion, she and Borna Korich. So, I mean, that's a pretty good. Got a good roster there, Lisa. <laughs> A, a phenomenal roster. I mean, it just blows me away every time I see y'all's tweets about, you know, there's some pro event going on and y'all tweet out, oh, yeah, that was our little Mo champion. And you know, <laughs> I mean, it's just, We're it's so, you should be. You know, I was going to ask you, Carol, one of the things you mentioned is that the Little Mo tournaments are not USTA sanctioned. And for some of my listeners, they might hear that and think, oh, well, then, you know, I don't want to put my kid in because they won't get ranking points. Let's talk about that. What what is the the big selling point to a family who is focused on USTA ranking, having their child have the ability to get into these big USTA national events. Um, why should they work the Little Mo events into their child's annual schedule? Okay, great question, Lisa. I get this a lot because parents are young and they are, you know, it's confusing really because we started a different sort of program than the USTA. But ours is, we have our our characteristics of player parties and opening series, like I mentioned earlier. But when we first started this, I thought, you know, number one, I wanted to be sanctioned because, you know, the USTA was, is very well respected. And so, but I wanted to do the individual age groups, the birth years. And that was really important to me when I started it, that I would want to play somebody that was close to my age, close to my size, close to my ability that I didn't really want to play somebody that was almost two years older than me. It just didn't make, it, it was defeating to me that, you know, you really don't have a chance to get a trophy, which was my main goal was getting trophies, right? And sure. That, uh, and also getting um, uh, to know friends. I didn't want to really meet anybody that was that much older. I don't know, I just uh, thought that would be, better for these kids to and and, you know you want to be seated you wouldn't get seated if you're playing somebody and it's fine like I say for 12 and above yes but these younger ones it's so important to not go home a loser (laughs) you want to have some success to keep the game going so that was one of the um one things that I thought and then the ranking situation I really personally feel that these kids and I see it all the time they're under for some reason the parents are living a lot of them not all, but a lot of them are living vicariously through their kids, and they didn't make it, so they want their kids. Plus, there's so much money in the game that that's the real driver. 
that a lot of the parents are putting so much pressure on the kids and and the kids can read it in a parent's face. If the you know, they know if they win, their parents are excited, they get a lot of things, they go places, they get rewards. I don't know what they're asking the kids or giving the kids for rewards, but I know there's something and uh, I don't know, it's just like making good grades or something. Everything's tied in, but the love from the parents should not be tied in to how well they do on the tennis court. And uh, I did not want to add to that pressure. And so I thought, I don't want to be sanctioned. I just want the kids to have fun at this young age. This, you know, they're, playing, they're second graders and third graders and fourth graders. You know, they have one tooth missing, Lisa. You know, they just <laughs> don't. They, yeah. You know, they're not many pros at this age. They're not many pros anytime until, you know, they, they're, they're very few prodigies and, you know, anything. So that's kind of what, and I uh, didn't really want the ranking. So with USTA tournaments came automatically the ranking. And kids don't care about the ranking. They really don't. They don't know whether they're 2 or 10 or 20. For the parents, that's who's following the rankings. And that's not really, you know, what we wanted. So that's really why I decided not to do it. And um, But we're UTR now. And UTR is very popular. And where it's level-based. Level but yet again, I still don't feel like UTR tournaments are appropriate for 12 and under. I don't think an 8-year-old player, even though they're talented and gifted, should be playing a 30-year-old person. It's not good for their uh, friendships and having fun. It's just playing a, playing a match. I mean, maybe in practice, yes, they could play a 30-year-old. But for tournaments, I just think it's more fun for the little ones to be around somebody their own age, and it furthers their love for the game. So, um you know, and the green dot came on board to the USTA, and I, I'm all on board with that um, in training and in tournaments maybe if you're not quite ready for the level. Yes, absolutely. But I didn't feel like that uh, you should be limited according to your age as to what ball you played because there's talented and gifting in everything to where you shouldn't be held back for how old you are. You should be able to advance like if Maureen Connolly had been held back to Green Dot. She would never have been, that. you would not have heard her name before. So you have to honor people who are who excel in math, piano, or whatever. You have to let them grow according to what they can do. And, and um, so I felt like, you know, we needed to honor our yellow ball players so we continue our yellow ball divisions in our eights, nines, and tens. And But we also know that kids are not quite yet at that level. So we also offer the green dot option at our sectional level. Well, now at the regional level, it does become all yellow ball because these are the kids that you're going to see, like the Coco Golf <laughs> and that right. level of player, that they need to see other girls that are at the Coco Golf level. And that, you know, iron sharpens iron. That's the only way you're going to get better is like Maureen played with men. That's all she played with. She wanted to get better. <laughs> so that's what you do. And you're not going to get better going backwards. So these kids are on a fast track a lot. Now, not to say you need to put them on the fast track, but if you're on it and you're good and you're a prodigy, you shouldn't be held, shouldn't back. Be held back by a certain criteria. It shouldn't be pigeonholed into one ball type is our opinion of it. So that's so what why we're happens? not in fact 
So what happens um, at your at your regional tournaments, uh, the green ball tournaments, to the ones that win? Do they move on and then just play yellow ball at the next level? Yes. Now we honor we honor any green dot players who want to play yellow ball, who want to try it out. If they can come play a regional tournament and play yellow ball, there's not really that much difference. I don't think too much in a yellow and green dot ball. The green dot just doesn't bounce as high, mm-hmm. and to me. The strike point is different. You're hitting the ball around your knees more. And these days, these kids hit above their, around their shoulders and with a game which I'm not familiar with. But that is, seems to be the way. They're not hitting the ball now. If a proper coach can progress them from hitting the ball, like that's how we learned hitting the ball around our knees. We love hitting with, you know, I want to say a dead ball, but that's mm-hmm. basically what a green dot you know, feels like is a ball that doesn't have as much spring to it and it doesn't bounce as high. So you're hitting the ball low to high from your knees versus what you're eventually going to have to do. It's like water skiing. You start off with two skis, you're eventually going to have to kick off that other ski and slalom. Where this is kind of the same thing to me. Eventually, you're going to have to learn to hit the ball with all these top spins coming from Europe. You're going to have to hit the ball around your shoulders. And so how are you going to transition That's hard to do. I can't do it. I've tried to hit the ball high, and I've learned too many years of hitting the ball low to high. I can't transition. So that's my worry is a lot of kids aren't transitioning from low to high in their contact point for their ball. Interesting. Um, So mm -hmm, that's my one drawback. It's great for training like T-ball or hitting a wiffle ball for golf, you know, get grooving. But you, there's a certain point that you just don't keep playing green dot. You've got to get on the yellow, to me, at some point uh, to learn that high ball to hit and how to hit it with power. Look at how these kids hit that ball at high. And you have to change your grip around hitting. Look at look at all the, the low to high. You had to have the regular grip. Right. And then to hit a high ball, you have to turn it like you're holding a frying pan. <laughs> So I just don't understand it, but anyway, <laughs> it is very different. So, so let me just clarify. So, so if a child enters the green dot little Mo tournament and wins, and then they want to move on to the next level, does the the green dot end at the regional level, or are there the green, green dot, dot ends at the sectional level? At they sectional, can still play sorry, the regional, okay. But it has to be. The regionals are for the really the kids who are advanced. Oh, sectional is first and then regional. Right. Okay. Sorry. I had it backwards in my head. Got it. Section more local. We have 18 sections. Okay. Okay. And then, of course, the nationals is all young ball. Um, And we just do singles. We don't do doubles. At our internationals, we do doubles and mixed doubles, which you talk about cute seeing a little mixed doubles team of four eight-year-olds out there. It is so, you know, the rackets are bigger than they are, but it's adorable. So, yeah, we try to do, uh, we love doubles and mixed doubles, but singles is just, we want to find out who is coming up through the ranks that has potential, that's going to be the best in America. And, you know, I, I just hope, I see a lot of good ones. It's Akasha Yorobo from Florida. She won the Grand, the Little Mo Slam, the big six-foot trophy. She took two of those home. Wow. And she is really going to be something. And we just have so many coming up that I hope you can come down to one of our Little Mo Nationals or Internationals and see these talented kids sometimes. 
Oh, it'd be so fun. I've, I've, my son played one little Mo event. He got killed in the first round um, here in Atlanta <laughs> when he was, it was his last year of eligibility because at that time, y'all only went through age 11. And, mm-hmm. um, and then I have gone to watch other kids play when y'all have had the events here in Atlanta. And I, I just love your events. They're just, there's a vibe oh, around, but there's a vibe around them that it's just different. It, it's upbeat. It's, it's encouraging. It's honest. It's fun. It's happy. You don't see racket banging and you don't hear parents yelling. And I mean, it's just a, it's a very different atmosphere. And I want to just encourage my listeners. If you have a child that's in the age range, please seek out these events in your area and get your child on the road to little Mo nationals or little, little Mo internationals. It's so worth it. And this organization just does a phenomenal job. I I find it very interesting that um, y'all have been able to work with UTR. I'm really happy about that. And, you know, I, I'm happy to hear that they're honoring the results from Little Mo. I think that's that's an important step. Thank you for your kind words, Lisa. One last mention about our Little Mo tournaments. We have to help encourage and motivate young players to be good sports and to be kind competitors and still to have that that desire to win. I mean, of course, every child wants to win, but also to to be a, a young boy or girl that honors their opponents for good shots. We have what's called Mo Coins, and umpires and and the the staff and administrators, Carol, myself, others that are with with the leadership of little of the Little Mo tournaments and MCB Foundation, we'll walk around at these tournaments, and if we see uh, young players that are showing good sportsmanship, saying good shot, uh, perhaps questioning or not knowing whether to call a ball in or, in or out, and they call it to their their opponent's favor, and just to show, just demonstrate good character, good quality, good good fair play, and and just integrity. We will give the mo points, and what these wonderful athletes do is they take the Mo coins and we have all kinds of little gifts that they can then redeem the Mo coins in for fun gifts. And it's so cute when we when we have our trophy presentations the the, the kids are 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 more excited about getting their Mo coins that we give them additional Mo coins at the trophy presentations. The parents love the hardware. They love the trophies. But the kids can't wait to get the trophy presentation over to go take their Mo Mo coins and redeem them for these great gifts. But what it has done, it has just reinforced that fair play, good sportsmanship, integrity, kindness, all of those character attributes that embody mom, little Mo, that that is what stays with you well after your last game of tennis. And when your tennis career is over, and some of these kids will go on to play pro, some of these kids will be teaching pro, some of them will get scholarships in college. There's just a small handful, a very small percentage that actually will go and, and be successful in a professional career. But what they will always be are young men or women well after their tennis days are over. And this is what we preach to them, that their character 
is the most important thing. And so that's, again, what we try and do through our tournament is to perpetuate the idea that it's great to be a champion on the court, but it's most important to be a champion off the court. Yeah, I love that. And and to that end, I mean, the, the U.S. Postal Service, I have to talk about this, <laughs> is issuing a, a little most stamp this year. Uh, we are so excited about this, Lisa. It has been a a project four years in the making. Uh, I was just I was contacted in February of 2015 about the possibility of a, a stamp. It actually was going to be a, a series of a series of stamps on pioneers in women's tennis. And they had looked at numerous sports, one of which was tennis, and they have looked at mom embodying being a pioneer in tennis. So uh, I, Brenda, myself, and Carol and others worked very close to the stamp. But the hardest part for me is because I, I, I was the one that had to do a lot of the legal paperwork and, and the emails and, and the history of mom we could not mention this to anybody because it was still in the developmental stage. So for four years, we had to keep quiet about it. But this year on January 29th, they just announced that the Little Mo stamp will be distributed nationwide on April 23rd in 33,000 post offices across the United States. And it's a beautiful picture of mom. Uh, we selected, I worked with their, their design elements uh, executive, and we selected a photograph of mom. She's actually hitting a, a backhand half volley, and a, a marvelous, marvelous painter painted an oil on linen piece of, from the photograph. It's a beautiful painting. It's very colorful with blues and yellows and greens. Uh, this stamp will be a very colorful stamp, and it will have little mo across it, and it will be available for purchase on April 23rd. In Dallas, we're having a, a dedication stamp ceremony to commemorate this forever. It will be a forever stamp. And that is on April 23rd at 11 o'clock at the, the beautiful new tennis complex at SMU. So everybody's invited to come. And uh, for stamp collectors particularly, there will be opportunities to get canceled stamps and and to get a number of collectible items with the stamp but it will just be a great morning of celebration at 11 o'clock but on april 23rd that is when the little mo stamp will be available for purchase and i just what's so amazing about this lisa is that mom's career was 60 years ago that's three generations sure yet in legacy, the respect and love that people have for mom. And much of it's through what we have done through the Morning Conley Brigham Tennis Foundation, keeping that a legacy alive and, and reminding people again that mom was an advocate for tennis and champion for tennis, that she gave back to the sport. And I believe that is, is one of the reasons that people are so, or that the United States Postal Service, and it was such a joy to to work with them and they recognized that that she was such a grand woman not only winning the grand slam which no other american woman has done but that she was just a grand lady so 60 years later now there we're, we're having another opportunity to recognize mom and this is actually the 50th anniversary of her passing so so it's, it's an important year for us and we are just 
joyful and excited that this great tribute the United States Postal Service is giving to mom. And they are a great group of people to work with. I've just so thoroughly enjoyed the opportunity to work with them and to see this wonderful project come to fruition. Wow, it's a great honor. I'm so excited. I was so excited when I got the press release back in January. And those of you who follow uh, yes. Parenting Aces on social media, I, I put it out to everybody. And and now Thanks. to see this come to life, I mean, this is really cool. So there's one last thing I want to talk about because, my gosh, I could keep y'all on forever. Um, y'all have so many good stories. But I want to touch on this new grant program that you guys are doing. And I did just recently get um, a mailing from you about that. And I would love to give you the opportunity to share that with the Parenting Aces audience. Okay. Hey, Lisa. Um, yeah, that's one of the main things, you know, that I've loved about working for the foundation is that we give back to junior tennis and um, through our grants. And, of course, the more money we make through our tournaments, the more money we give back. And we've always wanted to help kids get to the next level. That was really how Maureen was able to get to the level that she made it to because she was helped uh, so much. She was raised by a single mother, and, and they didn't have much money. And uh, so she said she wouldn't have ever been famous if, you know, if the San Diego Tennis Patrons had not helped her. So when she found out she was ill, she wanted to form the foundation, and that's what she wanted to do is give back. And so that's what we've tried to do is help kids like Maureen get to the next level and they can't afford the airfare. And so we help out. We try to give, you know, $500 travel grants throughout the year. And so we decided to honor all the kids who were playing in California, our international tournament. With, you know, tennis, junior tennis is so expensive for, for parents. And we just appreciate the sacrifice. And so we're able, happy to be able to reimburse them $500 to get to that level. We know, I mean, that's just, that's just like small change compared to what they have spent in lessons and in rackets and clothes. So anyway, just that's one thing we, you know, as a foundation that we just love giving back. If, I also at least want to oh, give a ahead. shout out. To, oh, I just wanted to give a shout out to tennis competitors of Dallas. They have been really great partners with us. We have some wonderful sponsors from Wilson to K-Swiss to RBC Wealth Management. We just have great partners to walk alongside us. And Tennis Competitors of Dallas, which is actually a program the Moyne Conley Brinker Foundation started in 1977. It's the largest league program in the country. It, it, it's women play every Thursday and now on Tuesdays in Dallas. And we also have mixed doubles as well. So we have over about 8,000 members of Tennis Competitors of Dallas playing league tennis in the spring and the fall. And then every year they give us a very nice, contribution that then allows us to to give these grants and as carol said that was the original the original intent uh that mom and nancy jeffett had was to help help advance gifted elite and promising players because that had been mom's story and so she just wanted to give back uh to the sport of tennis and to honor those who had also honored her. So it, it's just a wonderful way that uh, that she has been able to give back. 
Can y'all kind of give a little rundown of how the grant program works, how the application process works, and, you know, for for my listeners that might want to apply? All right. We have a form that uh, you could fill out that we can, we're happy to email if anyone wants to apply for a grant. It's My email is cartennis, C-A-R-tennis at AOL.com. And uh, we'll be happy to um, send them a form to fill out, and we will get back in touch. So, yeah, anybody can fill out a form that uh, is looking for a, a possible grant to one of our tournaments. And and also, Lisa, what we do to honor those who win uh, the the tournaments, um, both uh, both in our in our in our uh, international tournaments, we always give the winners travel grants to then proceed to the next international tournament so that they can potentially be a grand slam winner like and win that six foot trophy so so our winners will get uh grants as well but then we do give grants as carol intimates for character and and just character qualities that that we want to honor that might players might not be maybe just quite as advanced but overall they are fine ambassadors for the sport of tennis which is really what the morning comedy franker tennis foundation is all about and i think mom would be really proud of that absolutely so it's not just for financial need it's also there are grants available for those kids that are that are kind of embodying the characters um that's right that, that Little Mo was trying to, yeah, I, I love that. I think exactly. that's so, yeah, exactly. that's fantastic. So when is your next tournament? How do people find out and how do they sign up and all that? Right. Well, fantastic. Um, we're just kicking off our season next weekend, <clears throat> excuse me, in Arlington, Texas, excuse me, Lisa, at the um, Arlington Tennis Center in Arlington, Texas, March 23rd to 24th. Uh, it's our Little Mo Texas sectionals, and um, ages 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, girls and boys, uh, you can go to our website and register, mcbtennis.org, and click on tournaments, and that will show all of our 18 sectionals around the country, as well as our regionals and our nationals, and you can register now for internationals. We have some early bird specials going on right now for our internationals, and uh, just uh, email me if you have any uh, interest in uh, heading out to Newport Beach in California. Uh, in uh, in June 28th through July 3rd is our first international. And then our New York is right before U.S. Open. And then our California, I mean, our Florida tournament is December 6th through the 11th. So it's quite a schedule. You can play, if you want to play all of our tournaments, like you play uh, a regionals, Sectionals, regionals, nationals, three on the road to Wilma Nationals, and our three regionals, I mean, three internationals, and you've got a full full calendar there. So we're, we're happy to, to keep kids interested in the sport. They have so many choices these days of what they can do, but there's none better than learning tennis and enjoying tennis. So the one sport you can really afford to play your whole life. Mm-hmm. Sport of a lifetime. It's definitely a sport of a lifetime. What's next for Little Mo? Do y'all have some new events coming or anything we need to know? Well, we are always looking at expanding, and but we're very judicious and very careful about protecting our brand. Lisa, that's really important. After 50 years, uh, our reputation has 
has been untainted and has been very positive. So we're careful, but we do want, we're looking right now at expanding even internationally beyond the borders of the United States, going into other countries. And so we're, we're very diligently and carefully looking at some of those opportunities uh, right now. So we'll, uh, we'll see what we can do with them. We're talking in, in some conversations just to see, just to continue to, to advance this fabulous sport and, again, uh, help young players, again, 8 to 12, to, to find tournaments that they can see what other competitors are doing in their, their age group and then just be inspired to, to be able to pursue the, their talents through travel grants and, and, and again, through just the, the joy of competing in tennis. And, again, even if they don't go on professionally, that they can get college scholarships and just have tennis as part of their, their, their routine in life, whether being a teaching pro or just enjoying it for fitness. Absolutely. Well, ladies, it has been such a pleasure chatting with the two of you, Cindy Brinker, Carol Wayman, the Little Mo series of tournaments, the Maureen Connolly Brinker Foundation. You ladies are doing unbelievable work, and I, I really hope my listeners will pursue the events and get their kids involved and, and support you guys. And, and let's look for that stamp coming out in April and all hit our post Indeed. office and, and make sure we get ours. So, well, thank you, Lisa. Thank for you. I followed you for so many years and all you're doing with your podcast and informing, yeah. you know, that's really what's needed, as you know. And I think that's why you created the podcast because you went through junior tennis, uh, traversing the waters, and Oof. you've just been a real yeah. welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much to my listeners. Thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast for tennis parents by a tennis parent. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll share the podcast with your tennis community. For all the information you need to navigate the junior and college tennis journey, be sure to check out ParentingAces.com.